This podcast is shareable. I'm going to go ahead on a limb and say this either is or will become your favorite podcast. This is shareable. The show that's so good, you got to tell someone about it. Every episode, we explore the impact of people and technology on our lives and careers, and we send you away with something shareable. Now, without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, so this is Phil, and I'm just delighted to be on Shareable today. I'm a speaker, a sales expert, a sales trainer, and a small business coach. I love the power of connection. One-to-one relationships for me is where it's all at, and that's what I work with my clients on. Help them change their business, boost revenue, and hopefully have a whole lot more fun. Phil, it is wonderful to have you on the show. Say your last name again for people. Phil Gerbishak. Gerbishak. It's one of the most fun last names there is to say in the world. And not only that, but I am in awe of your awesome uh, eyeglass style. You are always rocking either a bright orange pair or I've seen you wear a green pair. Um, What's the story behind? uh, I wear bright red sneakers. That's kind of my thing. What's the story behind the glasses and why that's your thing? Well, so first, just full disclosure here, I used to hate glasses and they used to be really, really bad. I got uh, my first pair of glasses when I was in the Navy. They're called a BCGs for birth control glasses. I'll let you figure out why that's, (laughs) why they're called that. Right. But uh, they're horrible, man. They're horrible, horrible. So I didn't wear them, didn't wear them, didn't wear them. Fast forward, I don't know, 10, 12 years. I realized that I spent way too much time in front of the computer, which was straining my eyes so I couldn't see to drive. And I decided, boy, I like to drive, so I better go get specs. So I went, and the first specs I got were okay. They were silver and uh, slate blue, and they were all right. And then somebody else had them. I'm like, this sucks. I don't like this. I, I am purpose. I guess I'm purposefully different, not purposely different. Meaning, I don't try to be different just for different sake. But if I can be, you know, I like to accentuate my strengths. And so uh, I went and I got a pair of lime green glasses, and they were really cool, and they were awesome for a long time. And then. One day I got some orange ones and I just felt different wearing them. I feel like kind of reverse Clark Kent, reverse Superman. When I take my glasses off, I'm Phil Gerbyshack. And when I put them on, I'm like, Phil Gerbyshack. So yeah, so it works for me. And I love orange. Orange is absolutely positively my favorite color. Uh, it feel, it, for me, it feels warm. It feels kind. It feels energetic. And it feels me. So there you go, man. And now I wear glasses. And the reason that I wear other colors as well is because sometimes it's nice to see the world differently. Even though my orange ones give me the most power and really kind of the best vision into the world, it's nice to wear white ones. It's nice to wear green ones. It's nice to do something different because I don't see the world in any one way and I don't expect anybody else does. And I don't want anybody to see me in any one way either because I'm a marketer, I'm a sales trainer, I'm a, you know, a technologist, I've been a VP of sales uh, uh, of sorts, right? I've sold stuff and done that. I've been a uh, chief marketing officer at my own agency for a while. And I have also uh, been a VP of IT. So I've done a lot of different stuff. And so the glasses really helped me do a lot of different stuff because when I see the world differently and I can help my clients see it, that's where the magic happens. I love it, man. I, and I was, before we jumped on and started recording, I was saying that I think you and I are very much kindred spirits and, and hearing your um, explanation of purposefully, purposefully different uh, rather than purposely different is a, a really nice way of putting it. Um, you know, I wear the bright red sneakers because one, I love the color red. Two, I, I feel like it helps me stand out. And three, I just like kind of putting my mark on it that makes it really easy when I'm at a conference where people say, oh, he's the guy with the bright red sneakers and the, the t-shirt that says hashtag speaker. So, you know, I feel like uh, it gives me that same sense of power that you're talking about where I feel like, well, this is me. This is my thing. I'm not just going to blend in. And it gives me that little bit of extra oomph. That's right. And definitely makes it more memorable. Yeah. Definitely makes it more memorable. So you've definitely had, you know, a really interesting background, kind of all different sort of things that really overlap super nicely. Uh, You kind of just kind of ran through some of the things you've done in the past and they all seem to kind of come together. There's a a major underlying current there, um, again, that I think one makes you perfect as a guest on the show and two makes us again, kindred spirits that 
there are two elements that are really strong in what you do. One is people, right? So the whole yeah. networking angle, the whole helping people to uh, examine what is important to them and help them to have the tools to be able to express that and make connections in business around that. <clears throat> And then the second piece being the technology. I mean, you are a technology guy. You have your own podcast. You advise people on social media. You've been in IT. So with all of these things coming together, those are obviously two areas of life that are very important to you. What I'm curious about is I want to know what the, the genesis behind that is, why you chose to kind of place your chips on these two different pieces. And I think they're inescapable forces in this world, but some of us have a kind of a more natural proclivity towards them and a, a greater... Um, amount of skill in being able to explain the powers of these things. Walk me through a little bit in your background where you begin to see the impact of how important people are in your ability to succeed. Sure. So let's see. In 2004, 2005, um, I was... I probably was the smartest guy in every room that I walked into. And if I wasn't, I probably acted that way. Um, not in a nice way though, probably in an arrogant way. And then I was, I was listening to a speaker by the name of Kirk Wiesler. Kirk is uh, Kirk wrote a book called the dog poop initiative. That's about picking stuff up and not just walking away when somebody craps all over the floor um, in a very literal way. It was about a story of about soccer and how uh, he was coaching his kids and some, everybody's pointing at the poop. And so he decided to take the initiative. And that's all it took is to take initiative. So he's talking, he's on stage, he's, he's giving his program and I'm, and I'm like shaking my head. Yep. Yep. Good books, good books. Yep. Good message. Really cool. And he stopped about 30 minutes in and said, Hey, so, um, you know, there aren't a lot of people here. So I'm just curious, man, have you actually read all these books that I'm talking about and done these things that I am, or you're just shaking your head because you're being polite. And I said, yeah, I've read them in a lot more than that. He said, well, cool. So let's have a chat. Let's talk after. So I went up and talked to him after and we got to, got to be friendly. And then about three or four months later, he says to me, he says, so, um, you know, you seem like a really smart guy, but what are you giving back, man? What are you doing for other people? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you've read hundreds of books and you've been a really smart guy, but what have you ever done for anybody else? Have you ever like thought that, you know, maybe some of that smart stuff isn't just for you? I'm like, what? No. Well, that's what I said inside. Outside, I said, no, I, I haven't really thought about that, but that's a great idea. How do I do that? He said, well, you know, this association that, uh, that you're part of, you should really think about giving back and sharing some of your insights. In fact, they really need a board member. And I think you'd be perfect for it. I said, huh, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that. So they invited me on the board and uh, I ran the finance. And I'll tell you right now, Jeff, I am the least likely person to run finance. If you need the details run. Now, I'm a great sponsorship getter. I'm a great guy that help you raise money. But if you're expecting me to actually look at it, analyze and do more than, hey, we've got money. Let's spend it. Wrong guy. So Kirk challenged me. I started speaking, started, started training and started really connecting with people. And asking them more about their story and sharing that. And, you know, in, in a way of speaking, I mean, kind of the rest is history, man. I realized there that the more fun thing than to learn is to share what you've learned. And I should know that because I actually went to school to be a teacher initially. And I should know that, you know, sharing is, is such a, a great gift for the person who shares, not just for the person who receives. But it took Kirk to kind of wrap me upside the head and say, hey, buddy, you should really think about how much can you give back and how can you do that? And then um, it just, yeah, it just kept happening, man. And, and the, by giving, right, that's how I network. How I connect with people is I add value to their lives as much as I can. Um, I'm most of my friends' biggest cheerleader. I love my friends. I'm really fortunate um, that they're really brilliant people like you, Jeff, that, that have a lot to give that I, that I can share and be proud of, not in a hokey way. Because let me be clear, right? I've had some friends of mine write some really crappy books and had some really bad podcasts. And while uh, I support them improving, I'm, I'm not going to gloat about someone being average. And in fact, my work, you know, if, if, if my work isn't my best work, um, I'm not going to tout it either. So I'm a genuine cheerleader. You know, I'm, I'm intentionally cheering because I see the work and I will provide that feedback. And that just connects me to people. And, you know, when you talk about tech, the reason that, that tech is this great connector is because it's this great equalizer now, because if you're willing to do the work, you can do the work. Like if you're willing to put in the hard work, right? If you want a podcast, you can do a podcast now. This isn't hard. When I started out in 2004, Google uh, had not yet bought Blogger. 
it was 50 bucks a month to have a blog. That was expensive. Now, holy crap, you can buy a domain for $10 a year. You can get hosting for $4 a month. You can get a podcast host. If you use Anchor, it's free. And so now there's nothing holding us back anymore. So tech is the great equalizer. It's also the great unequalizer because people that are unafraid to, or that are afraid to fail are going to let technology hold them back when in reality it can, technology now is so easy and so effortless in many cases that it will only propel you forward. There's so much that we can unpack in there. So I'm, I'm going to just point a couple things out yeah. and then I'll kind of let you run with them. But um, you had mentioned that if something, if something doesn't feel like your best work, uh, you have a hard time promoting it. And I think that that is, that can be a very challenging thing for people because we view our work through our own subjective lens and depending upon, you know, just even your upbringing and how you see yourself and your value that you bring into the world, that, that can change the subjective value of that work where, whereas it may not actually change the sort of more, I guess, if you take all of the subjective views of that kind of the more objective reality of how important or how great that work is. So I, I guess the first thing is when we talk about technology being that great equalizer and giving people that opportunity and then having this sense that perfect is the enemy of good as, as that expression goes, where people really scrutinize their own work and worry that it's not good enough and suffer from imposter and fraud syndrome. How do all of those things come together? How can you then give people the license and freedom and permission that they probably require for them to go forth and create that work and, and put it out into the world and try and add value and try and connect with people? So I guess that's the first road to go down is how do we deal with that when Technology has given us the opportunity for people to go out there and create whatever work is important, but then there's this thing holding us back where we're worried it might not be good enough, or where we worry that if my technology isn't good enough, it's not going to sound good enough, so I shouldn't try at all. You know, how do you advise people when it comes to issues like this? That's a really great question, and so uh, you know, I I struggle sometimes too with imposter syndrome, but the first thing that I recognize is that good enough is good enough for right now, not forever. I don't compare my work against yesterday's work, except to know that it's better. Like this interview that I'm doing, Jeff, I've probably done 100, 200 interviews. I know that this interview is better than the last one I did. Just full stop. I know because I have absolutely put in the work to be better, to improve. And I can be honest with myself that this right now, this is the best work I can deliver to you. That is my promise to you. That is my promise to the listeners here that this is my best work right now. And when I think about imposter syndrome, that does often prevent us from going forward. But if we can acknowledge that right now, this is the best work we can do. And then put it out there. Now, that doesn't mean you go halfway. It doesn't mean that you don't really try. Effort is important. Intention is important. If this is your best work right now, that I fully support. But I mean, you can tell, man, when somebody goes halfway or they're not really interested or they're multitasking when they're talking to you, you can tell, man. You can read somebody's thing and you can see that they're mailing it in. If you're mailing it in, I'm not going to share that. I'm not talking about the quality. I'm talking about your intention when I say about your This is your best work for all time. It is perfect and it will never change. I can tell you that I would bet that if we got to interview Michelangelo, he would tell you that there were things he would change on the statue of David, arguably considered one of the best statues of all time. And yet he would probably change it, right? So, so we have to be careful that good enough, right, is out there. And sometimes we have to put it out there even if I know that I could do better, if this is the best, again, I can do right now, that's okay. So I shot a video yesterday, 6.50 in the morning, 51, 52 seconds, not a perfect video, but it was what I felt. It was in my heart. And it was the best thing I could do right then because I had the emotion in me that I needed to share it. That's my best work. I'm proud to share that. When I mail it in, man, when I know I know that I didn't do my best work. And for that, I, I will not share. And, and I would tell people, if you know this wasn't your best work, do it again. 
That being said, do not be an imposter. Do not think, oh, I'm not worthy. That's crap. You are absolutely worthy. You're absolutely worthy. You're absolutely good enough. Your message is strong enough. You are not a cinematographer, right? You're not Steven Spielberg or Robert Zemeckis or Ron Howard or insert other producer, director, amazing creative person. But you are you. You're the only one that can get your message out. And as long as you can be honest with yourself and say, this is my best work right now, and it is out there as my best work right now, that's all you need. That's all you need. And some of that's going to catch fire and some of that's going to fall flat and that's okay. Just keep doing the best work. I love that kind of as a part of the algorithm, for lack of a better term, that you're using to define the quality of the work is this element of authenticity, which is like this buzzword that gets so overplayed and overused. But if you're authentically putting in your best work, you're, you're really giving it your all and you're trying that we have that sort of bullshit detector naturally in us where we sense when somebody's really giving it their all. And, and even if it's not, you know, objectively from a value delivery standpoint, the best thing that anyone's ever put out, if they're putting in that effort, you see that there's a commitment to that excellence. And, and I love that that, uh, hopefully I've, I've kind of described what, uh, you just said there, but I love that that's a part of it. And I wish on a kind of a more global scale, we had that as an element of it, that the effort actually mattered, that the intention actually mattered. Because it's, it seems like it's so easy these days with the technology to kind of phone it in, follow the blueprint, you know, uh, mirror and mimic those that have done it before you and just try and cash in on the trend. And I really love you know, the, the people that are putting their heart and soul into things. And I think it, it kind of goes back to a thing I wanted to ask you about there were a couple things that you had said earlier and there were paths I want to go down. And I think this nicely ties into it. So um, I have a client that every time we, uh, we jump on the phone, I'll be like, Hey, how's it going, man? He says, best day ever. And it's because it's similar to like, this is my best work right now that I'm capable of. His feeling is like, well, I'm, it's one more day in the book and I'm definitely better than I was yesterday. So every day is the best day ever. Right. So um, you know, the, the, the combination of all these things leads me back to this idea of potential, which in your work in networking, you said, you know, your goal in networking is to provide as much value as possible. And at the same time in people that are doing work, it sounds like you see their potential. And where I want to go with this is that networking is very difficult for people, for some people, because they feel like if I don't go in there and ask for what I want, then I'm not going to get anything out of it. And if I go, so if I go in there and all I'm doing is focusing on value and value and value, and all I'm doing is giving, 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 when am I going to ever get anything out of it? Which is why you get the people that come into networking events and start flinging their business cards at people like Ninja Stars. So I guess the, the question I would ask for you is that as someone who sees potential in people and sees the opportunity for people to harness what they feel they have of value to bring to the world and to share as you did when that power was kind of unlocked to you to go and share what you know. What Do you see a downside or have you experienced any real downside in going about it from that perspective of trying to go out there and provide value and having it kind of come back to bite you in the ass because you're not getting what you need out of it? You know, I'm, I, I bet I have, Jeff. I honestly don't think about it though because I don't keep score at all. I I can't keep score. The world is too big, man. Not every piece of business is for me. If I can add some value to people's life, I can win, man. That's what I'm here for. Um, So I'm sure that some people have taken advantage of me. I usually can figure that out pretty quickly when people are that way. And I can stop, right? I can turn off that value spigot. I can turn that around. I I am, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, I, I can I can turn the tables and turn the conversation on them and share nothing about myself if I don't want to. Because most people, even though I'll tell you, it is better to give value. Some people, the value is they just want to be heard. So if I can give them that and I can listen to them and then realize after the networking event's over that I put their business card in my left pocket, which means I'm going to throw it away when I leave the event. I can win, man. I don't have to waste my time with people like that. If people are just take, 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 you can see that 
you know, people are pretty transparent if you make them comfortable enough to be transparent. I mean, some people, they're more nervous, right? If they're nervous or anxious, that's, that's different. But most people, especially if they're transactional based, you can tell because they're staring over their shoulder to see if there's a better prospect over their head. They didn't really look at your business card. They're not looking you in the eye. They call you Jim instead of Jeff. And it's like, really? All those, come on. So when I get that, I just stop. And I don't invest time in them. But I can tell you, man, there are plenty of people who have introduced me as, wow, this is Phil. I have no idea what he does for business, but he's a super great guy. And you should have a cup of coffee with him and learn what he does because we all need better people in our, in our lives. And you know what? I'll take that as an introduction, man. I, I, I'm actually humbled by that, that anybody would say that, that I could help them you know, live a better life. Because again, man, I'm about value. That's why I'm here. I believe, I believe with all my heart that the only reason that we're here is to add value and to connect to other people. That's why we have the crazy experiences we do. I mean, Jeff, I've been married three times, man. Most people would say, holy crap. But for the person who's been married two times and is in the middle of a miserable relationship and needs to get out, my being married and divorced three times gives them permission to say, wow, maybe there is something better out there. If this guy can do it, well, maybe I can too. So I really believe that, man. Does it bite me in the butt? I don't know. Maybe it does. I don't, I don't care. Like I'm not keeping score. I refuse to keep score. So yeah, I guess that's, that's a long answer to a short question, but that's what I think. No, and I love it because it's a very, um, for, for, I guess, again, lack of a better term, it's a very human answer, right? Like, I, so I'm a child of divorce and growing up, uh, you know, as I approached, you know, the age of, of serious relationships and everything, I said, well, I'm never going to get divorced, like never, because that, that's bad. It's wrong, right? You're not supposed to. So I got married and, um, you know, I, I have great respect for my ex-wife and we're still great friends and everything, but it didn't work out. And I got remarried and my wife is, she's an angel walking on earth. I cannot believe that she exists. And I think, you know, breaking down that preconceived notion of these societal structures and ideas that we cling to um, and, and seeing that there, it, there's, a, there's a freedom in seeing other people's either mistakes or life experiences and allowing other people to have that freedom. I, I also love the fact that you you talked about going to networking events and sometimes the value you can bring is just listening to someone. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out um, for, for our listeners is that they should really listen to your podcast because one of the things that I think you do so well, uh, I listened to a, a couple episodes recently just to kind of get myself warmed up for our conversation, but I listened to an episode you were doing with Jay Acunzo. I might be saying- Yeah, Jay Acunzo. Yeah, Break the Wheel. But, great book. Yo, and that episode was great, but the thing that I noticed- that you have an intense skill about, and I, I want to hopefully get some insight into how you do it, but you're an amazing interviewer. And the way, the thing that I noticed that you do, that is, it's, it, you know, cards on the table, very difficult for me, but you are an incredible listener and you have an incredible ability to get other people talking that during that episode, I think there were stretches where you didn't talk for like 10 minutes. It was, it was kind of amazing how you were able to just, you would ask a question and then it would just go and you would let it happen. So there's this active listening skill that you had because your follow-ups were great. And, um, you know, the questions that you asked got, got, I mean, it's a podcast, so obviously it's going to be a back and forth, but I was hoping you could kind of break down a little bit because you have this skill in networking, because you're a public speaker and because you have a podcast, you have obviously developed a skill for being able to make people feel comfortable, kind of to your point before, and then also to get people talking and being able to actively listen to them and be there and have them feel heard. A lot of people get very nervous in networking. That's kind of to your point of people who look over your shoulders, see if there's someone more important. Uh, you know, candidly, I have a lot of, I have a hard time at networking events because I get very distracted. So the person I'm talking to, it's, it's sometimes not that I don't want to pay attention to them. It's just that there's so much stimuli I feel this pressure to talk to everybody in the room. Um, and I've, I've started taking the approach of just trying to meet like three people. And I'll just sit in the corner and talk to the same person for like 10, 15 minutes, which isn't also the best idea. But you, you definitely have some insights into this. And I'm hoping what our audience can glean from, uh, from you is maybe some ideas about how to mentally frame yourself to be ready to ask those questions, to be there to listen, to actively listen and understand how to really 
um, nail the art of conversation. Can you maybe give some of your secret sauce away so that others can go into those situations and feel more empowered and have something to kind of lean back on to have more success in those situations? Absolutely, Jeff. I'll I'll do my best here. So uh, the first thing is that I, I focus very intently on the other person. I do this even when I'm looking at someone's LinkedIn profile. I call it looking them in the eyes. So I look at every piece of what they're presenting. In person, this does not mean that I look people up and down and size them up, but it does mean I pay close attention to their face. I look if they're wearing a tie or a dress. I look to see if there's something that connects with me, who I am. So a lot of times that's orange. Orange is my jam. Orange is my color. So I'll remark on that. Um, sometimes it's the fact that they have glasses and I will, you know, if I like their glass again, I'm a genuine person. I'm not, I don't say this just because, uh, I'm trying to spark conversation, but if I like their glasses, I'll say, Hey, those are great glasses, man. And a lot of times naturally people come back and say, wow. And, and yours, I could never pull those off. And my answer to that is always, and you don't need to, these are my glasses. They're not yours. It's totally fine. You rock the ones you got. And how long you've been wearing glasses? And what does that mean to you? And what's important to you? You know, and and those are the questions that I ask. Um, now I don't I don't use those exact words every time. I, there's no script. If you're if you're taking notes, um, th- these aren't scripted. These are basically responses to what other people say because I'm listening and I'm paying attention. And I get the feeling anxious, Jeff. I used to feel that way a lot of times when I was at a networking event because there'd be 150 people there. And, you know, in sales jobs, a lot of times your boss is like, so how many people did you meet? How many people are in the pipeline? Well, I'm not great at that. I'm really great at just connecting and going deep. And so I look that person right in the eyes and I, I'm intent on their conversation, but I also listen for those natural breaks, those natural breaks in the conversation. And sometimes they take longer. Some people have a lot of story to get out of them. Maybe nobody's ever listened to them before. Maybe they're really nervous at that event too. So I just want to sit comfortably. And by sit, I don't mean on my butt. I mean, in myself. And just sit comfortably and listen and pay attention and see, hmm, they mentioned this. That's probably important to them or they wouldn't have mentioned it. Maybe I should ask a question about that. Okay, back to listening. And I just kind of pin that in my brain. And then I do that, you know, a couple times. And then when there's a natural break, I'll just ask one of those questions. Because now I've got a couple that I can ask the next time we get together. Because my goal is not to have a conversation. It's to have a bunch of conversations. It's to really be present with that person over and over again, so that it'd be great if they turned into a client. That's nice. Be nice if they turned into a friend, not that I don't have a lot of friends, but it's nice to have another friend. It'd be great if they turn into a referral source. That would be awesome. Or it'd be great if they turn into someone that I can send business to. But if I don't know anything about them, that makes it very hard. Now, I'll tell you, the first time you meet someone, they share often just very surface stuff. This is what I do. This is where I work. This is who I serve. And it's important to understand that, right? Your elevator pitch, your unique selling proposition, uh, your purpose statement, whatever you want to call it. I mean, and that's nice, right? But what the heck does that really even mean? And I'm not going to get that in the first meeting, Jeff. I'm not, often, I, I can't get that from your bio, your bio is often a SEO version of something smart that you thought you'd put together, that these are the 17 highlights that I want people to know. But boy, there's a million other things I could share. So uh, those are just starting points. So when I'm interviewing people, I really, I'm not interviewing. I'm, I'm having a conversation with them, just like I would be doing in person. That's why my podcast is called Conversations with Phil. It's not interviews with Phil. It's conversations. Because I don't have a conversation, man. I want to learn from you. I'm going to ask you the questions that I'm interested in. And I, I know likely, not always, right? But almost always, I have something to give. I have an insight. And sometimes that insight is just reframing what you said that was really, really smart. 
And you're like, wow, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Even though you didn't say those exact words, I was able to distill that down and, and say something that really resonates with you based on what you said. And sometimes I ask follow-up questions. And sometimes, again, I just kind of, you know, paraphrase back in another way. But being present with people, I think, is my secret. I am really present. I, I don't multitask people. Um, I, I do my absolute best. And I, I fail sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not perfect at this. Sometimes I do pay some attention to my phone. Um, if, you know, if I'm waiting for someone or something like that, yes, sometimes I pay attention to my phone. Um, but I try my best to be present with people. And so that's, that's kind of my secret weapon is just being present. I love that, man. So I want to, I want to dig a little bit deeper on that. Uh, First, I just want to contribute something that that I think dovetails nicely into something you said when you were talking about the glasses. Um, I have a, a, one of my best friends, uh, Q, I noticed that he does this thing where, you know, he will find something to like about people. Uh, Really like when he's trying to uh, give a compliment to someone when we first meet someone, he will, he, you know, like to your example, like he won't go to the glasses and just be like, I like your glasses just because the person's wearing glasses, but he will kind of scan everything and look for the thing that he thinks that person has deliberately put effort into as being like their thing. And that's the thing he'll remark on. He'll be like, okay, I love the belt you're wearing. You have got style. So he'll find the thing. I think that's a really good lesson from, you know, from both you and from Q, it seems like be authentic in your praise and your acknowledgement of things, but go looking for the thing where, where it can be authentic in that positive, uh, you know, acknowledgement or whatever it might be. It really does hope to open things up. Um, the, the place I want to kind of, there are kind of two related questions that I want to ask you about, um, kind of to dig a little deeper into this being present thing. So one of the things that I think people tend to have the experience of when they're attempting to be present in a conversation is this running dialogue in their head about what am I going to say next? What's my point? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to ask? It's this kind of compulsive, I need to appear smart or I need to appear valuable or I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to, whatever it might be. And shutting off that voice in the head can be very difficult. So on the one part of it, I'd love to know, um, if there's a method you have for it. And, and if I had to guess, which I'm going to, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to maybe pave the direction that you would go is I think that there's a certain thing that is underlying about what you're after when you're being present with that person, when you are being an active listener, there's something under there that you're trying to get. You, you mentioned you can't really build a relationship with people if you don't know anything about them. So you're gathering information, gathering facts so that you can better figure out what am I going to ask in the next uh, conversation that we have. How are we going to enrich this relationship? Is there anything there? And I'm curious uh, if you could kind of share what you're after in conversations. Um, you know, you said maybe I'd get a client, maybe I'd get a friend, maybe I'd get. So there's a lot of variables there, but it doesn't sound like you have this from from a specific outcome standpoint. Like I'm going here to meet five people, and I want those five people to lead to three prospects, and those three prospects to one client. Like it doesn't sound like yours is as. Um, you know, mathematically thought out like that. There's something underlying there. And, and I'll just share mine uh, so that, you know, um, maybe my audience learns just a little something about me. But when I go to a networking event or when I meet anyone new, I have one objective, be unforgettable. I want it to be that no matter where people go for the rest of their lives, if they have interacted with me in any way, that they will always remember me. And I don't always do it and I don't always succeed. But I know that in a networking event, I'm hoping to be the person that they walk away from and they remember my name, they remember my face, and they could go look me up on Google if they wanted to. That's what underlies me. And some of the techniques I use there are helping people feel heard or making them laugh or um, you know, making them feel really good about themselves or making them feel motivated and inspired that they can do something. Those are all tools that I use to do that. But my goal is to be unforgettable so that we can we have the basis of uh, a situation where somebody would want to stay in touch with me and would want to connect with me further. So to, to restate the question for you, how do you shut off the voice in your head? Does it have anything to do with you, what you're actually after in those conversations? Well, let, let's start with what am I actually after? And that is a connection, period. Something that I really connect with that I see that often that's a, it's a values thing. You know, I want to see that we're aligned in values. I want to see that they're willing to give first. Um, not because I'm not willing to give first, but because I want to see that they can give. And, and I, I want to make sure that 
at some point, if I ever have an ask, and I may never have an ask, Jeff, I'm, just to be totally clear, man, I may never, ever, ever ask for anything. But if I do, I want to know that they would actually answer the phone when I called. So that's what I'm after. And that actually helps me shut off my brain because I'm not really listening for anything specifically. What I'm really listening for is, is this person real? Are they a braggart? What matters to them? At the end of the day, who are they? Maybe a little bit of why are they at this particular event? Like what's important to them? And then are they open to new friends, new people, new experiences, or are they just going to focus on new business? Because again, there's no way, no way that I would ever know that business is possible in the first meeting. It's, I mean, even if they said specifically to me, Hey, Phil, I need someone that can coach my sales team on how to leverage LinkedIn and the power of video and podcasting to grow our revenue. Those are three things that I did 800 hours of video last year. I coach sales teams and I've been podcasting on and off since 2006. I know I could crush those three things for them, but I don't yet know their why. I don't yet know their goals. I don't know what they're going to measure for success. If their goal for success with their podcast is to get to a million listens in the first month, and their goal with their sales team's LinkedIn training is for all of them to get to 30,000 connections and to show up in organic search over and over again, and with video, that they are as comfortable on camera as Tom Cruise, Meryl Streep, and Jennifer Aniston combined, and that's got to be done in 30 days, I'm not your guy. It's me. And yes, I don't know if anybody is their guy at that point. Right. (laughs) But that's the thing. That's the thing, though. Some people have super duper unrealistic expectations. So why should I jump into bed with them until I've really been able to understand really what they're trying to do, what their metrics are, who they are? And I can't do that when we're networking, because if we got that deep, we would have to go off in the corner because they're probably going to share some secret. and They're going to want me to sign an NDA. I'm not going to do that. I will not sign an NDA at at a networking event. That's just folly, right? That's just silly. I have no idea even why you'd want me to. But to get to that level of questioning, sometimes that's required. Well, that doesn't happen there. So instead, again, I'm just there to listen, to be present. And I I shut off that voice by not really queuing in anything specifically and not having a specific outcome, except for if they're a good person, let's have another meeting. That's it. I love it. And, and I think you kind of hit on something there also that, um, that I try to do and, and it can sound, um, if you frame it the wrong way, it can sound kind of shady, but I would call it as like storing social capital, right? So I try to do as much as I can for people in my network. I try to be as generous with my time, with my knowledge. Uh, if, I, if I can help someone, I try to. And kind of to your point, I may never ask for anything, but I do hope that in I've, I have earned the right to ask them to help me when I need it. Um, and it, you know, again, it could sound like a tactic, but it's not so much a tactic. It's more of a, a happy byproduct of a particular way of being, which is trying to be generous and, and provide value to people. But it, the nice part about it is that, you know, it, it won't balance out. I will always give way more than I take, but on the off chance that I do need something, I like knowing that there's a group of people that I've helped and I would hope that would come when I need them. Um, so I love that you put that out there and that that's just one more thing that I think we have in common. Uh, I had Bob Berg uh, from- I love Bob. Bob's amazing. Uh, and you know, just the whole go-giver mentality. Um, there's, they're out there. We are out there doing our thing. And, and I think I would love to see that there were, were more of those people out in the world. Um, I want to I want to take everything we've talked about and kind of pivot a little bit towards an, another area of expertise and kind of uh, close out our episode talking a little bit about this because I think it would be a missed opportunity if we didn't touch a little bit on sales. Sure. So given you know you have so much background in LinkedIn, in social media, in connections, uh, and then in sales training, I, I would love to know a little bit more about um, kind of your your sales philosophy to. Uh, to a certain extent, there's all of these different methods of closing and of approaching sales. There are people that say build rapport. There's people that talk about framing and frame control and you know social status and all the different things. I, I'm just curious if you could 
uh, start by summarizing when you say sales training, what does that mean? Uh, what is your methodology and style that you advise on? Okay, sure. So in the back of my business card is a pair of my orange glasses and it has three words. This is my philosophy, practice, prospect, and produce. That's it. That's my philosophy. So what does that mean? So practice, right? You got to have a good profile and practice having those conversations, practice talking to people, practice listening, active listen to everyone, not just a few people active, listen to the person at the grocery store at the, uh, you know, at the Starbucks, wherever you are, listen, practice that and then prospect, right? So actually put in the effort to identify your target market and to get in front of them, not to sell them, but to have conversation with them. So you can practice some more. So you can have those conversations. You can see if there's a fit and if there is, then you can produce, then you can close the deal. Then you can have conversations to say, you know what? It makes sense. If we move forward now in between there, right? There's a lot of stuff. When I think about LinkedIn, the first thing that people often have as something that holds them back is their profile. Their LinkedIn profile looks like a closer. They look like Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glen Ross. You know, first prize is a trip to Aruba. Second prize is steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Always be closing. And that's how, you're, how a lot of the salespeople's profiles look because they're so used to bragging about their accomplishments. Now, the problem is if you look at that through your buyer's eyes, not through your boss's eyes, okay, through your buyer's eyes, they see, oh my gosh, this guy is the number one closer in the organization. I don't even want to take a call from him because he's just going to try to close me. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to resist him because I'm a buyer, and I'm not you. I don't like being sold and yucky. And uh, yep, er, next. If there's any doubt, that doesn't happen. So you have to flip that over and think of your LinkedIn profile as a resource instead of a resume, as a way to give value to people, as a way to show who you are and what matters to you, so that you can go a little bit deeper. Right? Share some of your values. I'm a Navy veteran. I do not. I'll be just admit I don't do a good job of positioning that. But my heart is absolutely in those who serve and have served. Less than 3% have ever served. And I'm fortunate to be in that. And tomorrow, actually, I have an event where I'm giving back to veterans. I'm going to help them leverage LinkedIn on that because they don't know how to sell. The military beats into them that they are just a number, that they are just one of many, that they're completely replaceable. And that's really hard. So we got to flip that. I got to, I got to work on that. So that's the first thing is the, the profile. The second thing is all about your natural network. And this is what I teach, right? You know, people already, and they know you, are you connected to all of them so that you can see who they know that's in their network? I mean, most people, you can search your next meeting on LinkedIn and see who in their network is someone that you'd like to meet and ask for two or three introductions every time you meet with someone. That'll help grow your network, right? You don't have to grow referrals, but just introductions. Hey, these are three people you should get a cup of coffee with. I have one of my, one of my clients. Um, he went through, he found seven people of which three I know well that I'm going to make introductions to. Real simple. Hey, you should have a cup of coffee with Matt because he's a really nice guy. That's all. You should have a cup of coffee because he's a really nice guy because his, he's a financial planner. He's fantastic at his job. But that's not what's important. You need to be able to trust them enough to share the naked details, the naked truth of your business and your savings. And the fact that you probably haven't saved enough and you're probably a little bit ashamed of that. Your time horizon is probably shorter than you've expected and you have less money than you'd like. And you have to tell a financial planner that. That's kind of embarrassing for many people. That's why they don't change because they've already told that story one time and that's an uncomfortable story. So if Matt's just a nice guy, have a cup of coffee with him. If you like him, maybe you share a little bit more because I've trained Matt and Matt was already naturally pretty good at this, but I helped him realize this even more that you don't connect and pitch, you connect and serve. So you do that, right? So that's the next philosophy. And then lastly, um, before we kind of get all the way to the close is that is you have to share valuable content with your insights on them. When you're a sales professional, you cannot just breathe your own oxygen, your own air. 
you have to get out from your company and read what the heck is going on in the market. What's, what's, what are the other forces at work? Because remember, the choice is not between your product or service and your competitor. It's between your product or service, your competitor, and doing nothing and everything else that's going on in the world and their family and their friends and their life and everything that they've ever done. So we're competing against all of that stuff, not to mention they're worried about making a mistake. Oh my gosh, did I make the wrong decision? This is going to cost me my job. Oh my gosh, this is so scary. And I don't know if this guy even cares or he gets it. So when we share content, some of that content certainly is our corporate content, right? It's our own stuff. If you're a solo business owner, like many of the folks that I work with, right? Or a small business owner, a lot of it's your content, but not all of it. Do you read the Wall Street Journal? I hope you do. Do you, what, what papers do you read, right? You should read the local paper so you understand what's happening locally if your business is local. You read the Wall Street, you read the local paper, and then you read, you know, one or two other things. And not to share political stuff, let me be really clear, but it's to understand the forces at work. Maybe it's an industry publication, a trade publication. Maybe if you sell to CIOs, you read CIO magazine if you're in sales. So then when you share that, you share it with a little bit of insight. Yeah, this is what a lot of my clients are saying too. And then when you talk to those CIOs, hey, by the way, I read this article in CIO magazine. Is this something you're struggling with too? Because you know, we seem to find that there's a possible solution here. And my goal is to not sell on social, but to sell with social. So I teach folks, your goal is to get a conversation. Get them to have a conversation with you, a next conversation, not to close them online. Because people don't close online, right? It's real easy to ghost you online, but it's really hard if you get a real conversation with them to slam the phone down in anger, especially as we don't have handsets anymore, right? And real hard to slam the door on you or to, to get up from a, a cup of coffee with you before the time is up, unless you're a total jerk. So don't be a jerk. Serve first. Always serve first. Practice, prospect, produce. It's not that hard. And it works. I love it, man. And, and so much of this, again, comes back to connecting with people, building real, actual relationships with people, which requires emotional output. It requires empathy and you know, conversation skills and vulnerability and all of these different things. And it's, it's truly refreshing to hear um, you know, all, all of the things that you're putting out there and that you're training others on because you know, hopefully this spreads um, more and more and we begin to see more ethical and, and connected salespeople. Um, one of the things I also love about this is that uh, kind of to your point about, you know, the LinkedIn profiles that look like closers, um, you know, it, it, um, it, it belies a, a lack of uh, concern for the person that you're selling to because you look at the person that closes and there's all the celebration on their side, but then you think about the person who just bought and their feelings, like how do they feel after they've just been sold to? And the more of a relationship you have there prior to the documents being signed, either that transition should go. And I think about this a lot now because on episode 69, um, uh, I, do you know Joey Coleman? Yeah. Joey's great. Huh? Yeah. So have you had him on your show yet? Not yet. He's on the list. You should. So I had him on, he was a uh, episode 69 and we talked about his book, uh, never lose a customer again. And he makes such salient points about what that first 90 day experience is post sale. And I, I think the kind of combination of your approach to sales and his approach to kind of the onboarding process uh, and, and that they really dovetail nicely. So um, I really appreciate that. I appreciate your style. Um, thank you for coming on and sharing everything. Sure. I want to pivot us over to the shareables, ask you some rapid fire questions yeah. and um, you know, wrap up, let you tell people where they can work with you and everything. So let's run to the uh, shareables. Uh, ready for some rapid fire? Hit me. All right. What's one book every person should read? Love is the Killer App by Tim Sanders. Awesome. What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Awesome. What's the one application, mobile or desktop, that everyone should go and download? You can't say Evernote. Otter.ai. What is it? Otter, like the animal, .ai. It is the best transcription on the planet. It is actually what's behind Zoom's webinar that transcribes. It is awesome. You get 10 hours for free and you get up to 60 hours a month for just 10 bucks a month. It's unbelievable. That's awesome. All right, cool. Uh, what is the most important skill of the future? And you cannot say empathy. The most important skill of the future is going to be the ability to connect to other people where they are and really care about who they are because not enough people do it now. Not enough people are going to do it in the future. As we get more technical, people are going to move further and further away from that. Got it. 
if you could have one superpower, what would it be? You could also choose a a superhero or super villain villain's entire power set, or you can pick one specific superpower. <laughs> well, I, I'd lie if I said it wasn't Iron Man. Of course, I want to be Iron Man. And without his suit, who is he? He's a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. With his suit, look out. Awesome. All right, final question. Uh, what is one thing that everybody listening to this episode should go and do today? They have to be able to go and do it today. Today? I would say pick up a copy of Bob Berg's book, The Go-Giver, read it. It won't take you but an hour, maybe 90 minutes, or listen to it on Audible, and then actually do something with the material. Figure out someone that you can serve and, and go serve them. It's amazing. Phil, you are an incredible guest, uh, which doesn't surprise me because you're an incredible podcast host. Uh, you're a great conversationalist. Now's the time in the, uh, now's, now's your chance to tell people what you're working on, where they can go to get involved, how they can help you, where they can go and be social with you. Let people know this is your part. This is your portion of the show. Cool. Well, first I want to give you a gift folks. I mentioned your LinkedIn profile. I'd love for you to make your LinkedIn profile better. Go to linkedinprofilereportcard.com and download your free self-report card. Grade yourself. It's got 10 points on there. You can make your profile better, help it stand out and turn from a resume into a resource, into something that's profitable. The best way to connect to me actually is on LinkedIn. Just search for Gerbyshack. It's G-E-R-B-Y-S-H-A-K, Phil Gerbyshack. That's me. You'll find me. Connect to me on LinkedIn. Please tell me you heard me on the Shareable Podcast. Please tell me what on the show resonated with you or tell me that I'm all wet and that I need work. That's cool. And then any other socials, just search for Phil Gerb. That's P-H-I-L-G-E-R-B. Or search for Gerbishack if there's a platform that doesn't have usernames. Uh, G-E-R-B-Y-S-H-A-K. Dynamite. And we will put all of that in the show notes to make it nice and easy for people to connect with you. And again, if you are a listener and you don't know where our show notes are, it's pretty easy. Just go to sharablepodcast.com. And uh, you'll just look for looking episodes. You'll find all of our episodes with all of our great guests, including Phil. And you'll see our show notes and uh, be able to connect with him and find all of those things. We'll put a link to the uh, LinkedIn profile report card.com in there as well. So if you're driving, please don't try and take some notes. Uh, it'll all be there for you. Just jump over to the site. Um, Phil, thank you again for setting aside the time. Uh, this was absolutely time well spent. I think you gave away a ton of valuable, incredible information Hopefully you've set people's minds right to go out there and crush it in every aspect of their life, networking, sales, uh, and just feeling like uh, they can get over their own imposter syndrome. So I guess if I had to define this episode in one word, I guess I would say it's shareable. Wait, the show's not over yet. I have some important announcements. If you made it this far, you're clearly a dedicated fan or you're in the middle of vacuuming and just haven't hit stop on your podcasting app. Whatever the case, we want to thank you. We're not just music to your ears, we're music to your inbox. If you subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe, not only will you get access to our private Facebook group, you'll also get all of our blog posts, newsletters, special announcements, and more. You won't find any of that in your podcast feed. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod on Twitter and just shareable podcast on everything else. You can find Jeff online at jeffgibber.com and you can connect with me on Twitter at Caroline Stone because I don't have a website yet. So go ahead, call us, leave a message, subscribe to our list, leave a rating, review us on iTunes, tell a friend, tell your mom. If she's like my mom, she'll love it. And now for the thank you portion to all the folks that make this podcast possible. Shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and Ahamitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. And a big thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value. 